0: Uh, hey guys, Riley here, episode 19 is upon us, and uh, just before we get into that, some exciting news. I was talking to November from episode 7 the other day, and he was saying that he's working on some music with Freyd, who is episode 11. Uh, and so, I kind of feel like I am the grandfather of any of the music that comes out of that musical pairing. Um, and if they wanted to honor me as such, or have a little ceremony for essentially bringing them together by having them on this show four episodes apart. Uh, I would be... I, I mean, as long as the catering situation was good, I would be i would be okay. I could probably make myself available to that. Um, in terms of this episode, though, uh, we've got Old Girl, who is great. Um, hails from Victoria, BC. One of the things that we've been trying to do with this is expand outwards as much as we love uh all the bands that come through Ottawa uh, sometimes it's good to get uh, a more eclectic mix and uh you know as we as we become more and more popular we we're trying to curate uh more and more interesting music and i think old girl really fits into that description her stuff is dark and it's lonely but it's claustrophobic uh we get into the writing of it on this episode and uh, we uh, the way she writes is probably a lot different than almost anybody else we've had on this podcast. And it's, um, it was interesting to talk to her about that because it seems to be very quick, but her music's very layered and, um, it's, 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 it's very clinical, but it's also holistic. And it's just, a, it's a whole bundle of contradictions that, uh, if I was writing a review of this music, I would be, uh, I, 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 I would be very, uh, want to use. And, uh, anyways uh this episode is great sorry for the late upload we had some technical difficulties but uh it's all sorted out now and uh yeah episode 19 old girl you're gonna enjoy this one here we go As far as I can tell from sort of going through the lyrics and uh listening to it, it it seems like it's a tale of two celestial beings who are committed to each other but just can't seem to let each other go or something like that uh how did how did you, how does how does something like this come about How do how do you start writing music like this because it's it's definitely not the ordinary sort of three chord song my dog ran away sort of thing
1: <laughs> um that's a big question with a pretty big answer, I think. <laughs> I mean, I could really go down the rabbit hole. Oh, please that do. One. But I have to be careful not to go too far down. Um, okay, how how does it come about? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a deeply transpersonal process. So... Um, it, it is a, my own, um, study of, um, the, the interpersonal experience, um, my own study of the nature of desire and, um, and. I mean, yeah. It, like you said, that when you said it's claustrophobic and lonely, it is a pretty claustrophobic and, and lonely process. In that sense, where I, I do spend majority of my time <clears throat> alone at home creating this stuff. So, I mean, they're they're really just um, ongoing reflections um, of of what is occurring in my my personal life and how. I process that in my own space, in my own solitude. Um, so there's there's the world with the other, you know, the world that I share with the other. And those moments are, are actually very fleeting, I feel, in comparison to the ongoing unfolding moment of being alone with the self and processing those experiences, processing those memories, those moments that are so fleeting with the other. And, um, yeah, so it, it really is like getting into the negredo of, um, how, yeah, how those experiences with the other affect the, the development of the self and affect the way, um, I understand myself, existentially, really, and how I can better understand the origin of, of desire, the origins of my desires and, um, and is you know, what the goal of all of it is, <laughs> really. And in a nutshell, like I said, I could go all the way down the <laughs> rabbit hole, come back out the other side with you and answering that question, but that's probably the gist of it. I mean, the basics.
0: Okay, and was that something, <laughs> because I, it, it's like a huge, uh, Objet A, uh, Objet a uh, is a huge departure from, like, Eternal Idol, was, was, was that, was your sort of examination of the self and uh, loneliness, was that something that you sort of took on for this new album, or was, or was that something that you were also trying to do in Eternal Idol as well?
1: Eternal Idol was just, um, actually, uh, an experiment for me to see if I could write a pop album. Yeah. Um, I've been making music for quite a while uh, or trying to make music for quite a while. And I used to always be on the darker, um, more experimental side of things, but I didn't share it with anybody. Um, so I have quite, an archive of just stuff that I've done over the last 10 or so years um, that I haven't put out there. Um, And then, and then I thought, um, I'm going to try writing a, like electronic pop album and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I did it within that sort of, Quintessential framework of the breakup album or whatever. And um, um so really that was me trying to be lighthearted mm-hmm. um and not be so serious <laughs> and intense uh philosophically in what I was creating. So this is more just this is me, like this is more um what i actually i would say i is the norm for me in terms of my my creativity
0: i think as as i was listening to it i i wrote down my notes it seems like you found in between these two albums you found like a piano a guitar and you lost all sense of hope like it's uh it's uh it's definitely like so it's so different and it's so uh like this this new album is just so it's so complex. I feel like I'm still unpacking it. I feel like I shouldn't be talking to you just yet because, like, <laughs> uh, I've probably listened to it six or seven times, and just like I'm still not sure I'm getting all the all the points to it.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, I had I had a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few guitars. Um, I just didn't play any guitar on Eternal Idol. But like I said, with the stuff that I made before, it was actually all guitar based. Um, but I did acquire a piano. Um, I was like six months ago, maybe not even that, finally acquired a piano again. I had one years ago, too. I really missed having it. Um, and yeah, that definitely having a piano, I find, really grounds me in um, composing music. It is that a dog barking in my neighborhood or yours? I think it's your neighborhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just ignore that. A little distracting. Um <laughs> Yeah. um, What was the question?
0: (laughs) Well, that actually brings me to uh, something I wanted to ask is like the sounds on this album are sort of like they seem like you've cherry picked the best elements of a lot of different sounds that a lot of bands like right now are trying to sort of they're just like driving into the ground with just like sort of repeating the same sort of thing over and over and over again like you've got sort of like classic drum machines up against like sort of reverbed out western guitars and then you've got like this sort of lo-fi sheen that only affects certain elements of tracks it like i i just it just seems like such a bizarre combination what sort what what brought you to this aesthetic what 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 started like how did this jumble eyes start up
1: god i don't know it just (laughs) happened really i i what I was really trying to do with this is not have any precon preconceived um, concept of sound of sound that I wanted. So it was, I just wanted it to be very immediate and intuitive. So um, like I, I really, yeah, the concept was don't have a concept. <laughs> That's what it was. And I, and I, I started recording it last fall, so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna record a record for every season. Um, so initially, I thought this is gonna be a record of like kind of like a diary of the winter season, and then it extended into spring, and uh, and I was like, okay, all right, it's not it's not just a winter. <laughs> Record. It's the winter spring record, or fall winter spring record, and um, and and I just uh, let let it happen. I didn't try to um, control any sense of genre or um, yeah, any any sound beyond what each song was, what felt right for each song in the moment, and they're mostly more or less improvisational like very um, really like yeah so so most of the songs I composed within at least just like a couple hours and recorded it right after writing what? yeah
0: (laughs) oh you're killing all my notions about this album (laughs)
1: Um, which is what was funny though, because I was trying to get away from doing that because that's a habit of mine that frustrates me. Like I, I admire um, I admire artists that put a, an extended amount of time and patience into composing one piece. So um, so for some of the songs, I did the opposite for some of the songs, I tried to draw out the the compositional process as long as I could <laughs> and resist the urge to press record. Um, cause I didn't, cause I felt, yeah. So I felt like there, it was a practice for me and, in, in um, on the one hand, allowing that, you know, really quick, instantaneous, um, composition to just, just come out and, and record it and let that all happen, um, versus, um, you know, trying, trying the opposite and, most of them are more of the the quick the quick ones (laughs) um broken church I think is the one that I spent the longest amount of time working on the composition but that doesn't say a lot because I think I only spent a whole one whole day (laughs) I just spent one day working on the composition and I ended up recording it in the evening and I wrote it I started writing it in the morning what the what
0: yeah. okay um, <laughs> so what is your how do you how do you start a song like do you start with lyrics laid out or do you start with sort of a chord progression or do you go back and forth like how what is your compositional style
1: um it 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 happens all at once um, i guess i mean I don't want to use like psychological term or psychiatric terminology here and saying that maybe there's sort of bouts of hypomania, but I don't want to classify it as such. I'd say maybe it's more of a kind of mystic rush of ideas. Um, So, so the, 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 the lyrics, it, it, it starts with a, with a feeling it starts with a sensation and perhaps an image in my mind or, um, a poem, like a little, or just a stanza of a poem, an idea. um, And then I I get that feeling and it's really strong. And then I just sit down and I grab whatever instrument is (laughs) calling to, to help me express it in that moment. And, and then it just comes out and so I'm just jotting down the lyrics while I'm also, um figuring out the chord progression or whatever (laughs) sometimes though yeah it's pretty wacky (laughs) um it's like I'm really not in my right mind when it's happening I'm kind of like in a totally different state or something but there does it also happens in other ways like especially with the piano um I usually will come up with a melody on the piano first. Mm-hmm. So I'll be composing on the on the piano without an intention of of writing like a pop song with lyrics. Um and I'll come up with a just a little song on the piano and then I'm like, oh hey, this is beautiful. I want to make this, I want to write some lyrics for this, and then I'll do it that way as well. Same with the guitar. Um, if I sit down and I'm just fiddling, fiddling around and I find a, a nice chord progression um, that I get attached to and want to do more with it, then I'll do that.
0: Now, what is sort of like the next step for you after that? Like, because a lot of these tracks, there's a lot of processing on them, and I love it, but it, like in a lot of the, in a lot of these tracks, it's almost like oppressive like you feel like you can't breathe when you're listening to it and then you just give us like a little glimpse of sort of like relief or like daybreak or like a little bit of sort of like just nice vocal harmonies and then you just start pounding us again with like really heavy beats or really like reverberous drums or things like that when do those start to come into play um
1: the drums specifically
0: Or Or just like, what's your next step after you start recording it? Because it seems like, uh, yeah,
1: I see, I see. Um, Yeah, the rest (laughs) is basically kind of a mad world. Um, Maybe that's why it sounds the way you're describing it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know how clearly I'm thinking when I'm doing all of it. It's, you know, when you're in the studio. you just get lost in that world of sound and rhythm and um, yeah, I get lost in it and I just I get quite obsessive and we'll just spend hours um, exploring the sounds and and then I'll just go with what sounds good to me in the moment. I mean, that's all I can really say. <laughs> about it um you know and you know as as I grow as a person and go go through the seasons or whatever I different sounds I feel attracted to different sounds and so for this definitely I was attracted to um or felt drawn to wanting to create some heavier grittier sounding drums um yeah so I just went with it <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah it
0: definitely be, uh, it definitely creates like quite an atmosphere that sort of it stays very consistent and feels like it's all sort of one a cohesive piece of art and was that the way that you work sort of um so quickly was that did you go in with an intention of like having all these songs sort of sound like they belonged with each other or was that something that just came about naturally
1: I'm really glad to hear that they sound cohesive because <laughs> I thought they didn't at all. Um, I even wrote like a little artist statement that I was going to put up with the album on Bandcamp to, to like explain why they sound so dissonant <laughs> from each other. Um, and then I've I've gotten similar feedback as you just gave that they actually did. It does sound like one whole project. So I guess the way others hear it versus the way I hear it being the one that was creating it and um, maybe feeling like there was dissonance for me between each song. Mm -hmm. Um, And and more sonically, I thought, I think that was just my um, sort of my sonic ear that was thinking these sound like they were made by someone completely different. Like each (laughs) song sounds like it was made by a different person and they each have, they each have a different sound, you know? Um,
0: Are you kind of like, yeah. Are you kind (laughs) of like a, when I, when I go in uh, and help starting, when I help produce people, Uh, sometimes they'll just be like okay this take sounded pretty good i'll be like no there's one chord where you sort of missed one string on the guitar Mm. and we need to go through we Mm. need to fix that we need to punch in you're still not doing it right And then, like two hours later everybody's frustrated except for me because i finally got like that (laughs) (laughs) 0.3 second snippet just the way that i wanted it
1: yeah yeah no i can i'm definitely a perfectionist in that sense but you wouldn't probably be able to tell with this album because there's so much atonal dissonance in it um (laughs) I, and that's something that is kind of like this ongoing inner conflict for me is like, I'm such a perfectionist, but it usually happens, it usually comes out post-production. So then I end up driving myself up the fucking wall because <laughs> I didn't put the time into recording it properly. You know, I didn't, yeah. my, that that perfectionism wasn't present during the recording process. The four deadliest was, words
0: is we'll fix it in post. I guess that's fine.
1: No, it's true. It's so true. Um, but it's because I'm so caught up in that sort of hypomanic state of mind when I'm writing and recording that it's just like I'm in, it's, I'm in a rush.
2: Like, I'm
1: just like... <laughs> so caught up in the experience of creating it and wanting to get it down and record it before you know before it floats away or whatever um that uh yeah I I kind of kick myself after like fuck I gotta (laughs) spend like days and days and days on end you know fixing that one little part yeah yeah yeah, definitely. It drives me nuts. I drive myself nuts. And, you know, I mean, but each, you know, I think each album is is the learning experience when you're doing it all on your own, right? That's all part of it. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it was, how, how what was it like starting to, like, release this? Because you said, you like, you've, you've worked on music for 10 years, and then, like, you, you do everything yourself, and then you just sort of have to, like, push this into the world. And, like, how was that? Because, like, a lot of these... Songs are very they they have like this weird mix of like clinical sexuality and then like reverent uh, mysticism. It's it's <laughs> it's
1: all one, my friend. It's all one. <laughs> um, how is that based on the subject matter? You mean like?
0: Well, how? Yeah, it seems like these, these are if. if personal in some okay. respect uh what's it like pushing something like that that yeah. you have been the only you're the sole creator of everything was you anything that people love about it is you conversely anything that people hate about it is also all on you
1: yeah yeah it's definitely scary I mean the funny thing is I haven't I wasn't really thinking about any of that until after the fact mm-hmm. um I don't know why, I just maybe I'm not as self-conscious as I should be in this case. <laughs> I mean, considering it is so intensely personal. Um, yeah, I'm not a very self-conscious person when it comes to that, I guess. But um, since I have put it out there, I have started to think about that more um, and realize, like, I've kind of had this epiphany the other night, actually. I was like, fuck some really personal shit I just put out there into the world um that is scary um and for sure not everyone's gonna like it um I think I think the scariest part about it is knowing that people that don't know me will attach what they hear they'll they'll attach that creative work with me you know they'll Create an image of who they think I am based on that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the case with, with any artist, right? Um, and that's the scariest part for me because, <laughs> you know, no, you don't know me. You don't know me at all. And you can't know me based on, you know, these songs. I mean that's you know you're knowing a part of me very intimately but at the same time that's just a very brief snapshot it's just one layer or a few different layers or whatever um or it's like you're peeking into a few different rooms but it's not the whole house <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah
0: i one thing i wanted to i wanted to bring up because it's a uh, is you've mentioned, you know, you sit down on the piano and you write a pop song. And I, I feel like this is sort of like at its core, there's a lot of pop songs on this album. But it, it, sort of the vocals are equal parts sort of like beautiful. And there's like a lot of really nice harmonies. But also there a lot of times they are sort of buried in the mix. It, like, it, was it a conscious decision to sort of ob- uh, uh, like bury the vocals so much?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, for some of the songs, yeah, for yeah, I wanted, yeah, I wanted them to be um, a little less upfront. because um, I, I there's a lot of artists that I really like who who mix their vocals in that way too. That I appreciate that. I appreciate the mystery of it, mm-hmm. of the person's voice being. Kind of, yeah, you have to really listen. Um, and I, I think it's a really good technique. There's something yeah, there's something mysterious about it that <laughs> I like, especially considering it's it's the person's voice, right? Yeah. Um, and there's so much pop music out there where it's the voice is so up front and center. It's like the, this is the most important thing. A human voice has something to say. I don't know. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I like the idea of having to search for the words, you know, kind of strain to make out the lyrics or something. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting because, uh, when you listen to it, it almost, it, it, there like it, there's a lot of sort of uh very uh drum machine sort of uh sort of almost like krautrock like very uh mechanical rhythms to it but then with the vocals sort of slipping in and out of that they it gives them sort of like a more it, they almost become more relatable in a way they're almost more uh, human in some way they almost seem like more organic i guess is the right word which is uh it's it's a, when you sit down and you think about it it's a really chilling effect and was that something that you <laughs> had any idea that that was going on or was that just a happy accident?
1: Um, I think I knew it was going on. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I wanted it to be disconcerting, um, sonically disconcerting. I wanted it to, um, you know, not be pure angelic harmony. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it is is a nice juxtaposition to have these different sonic elements coming together in a kind of weird primal dance or whatever.
0: Uh, it's, it's interesting you, you say sort of like juxtapositions because I think one of the best ones on this album, both in sort of thematically and just musically, is sort of the transition between uh, Jouissance and mm-hmm. Broken Church. And I was just wondering if you could go into the, what was going on for you during the writing of those uh, two tracks at all?
1: Um, all right. <laughs> um, um I was just reading... Uh, Lacan, um, Lacan's seminar, Anxiety, and, um, which is a difficult read. (laughs) I don't recommend it unless you are hypomanic (laughs) and really want to delve into the psychoanalytic nature of desire, um, via Lacan's brain. Um, and I... Um, that one actually, that was, that was a happy accident. I was fucking around with the synth and, uh, just found this really intense synth sound that I was like, oh man, this is good. And I was just, I, I just recorded an instrumental and then, um, and then I thought, oh no, okay, I know what this is going to be. This is going to be a reading of the <laughs> an extract from the Lacan seminar X and, uh, so that's what I did. I found a, a, an excerpt from, from the seminar that resonated with me in that moment and um, I wanted to practice um, I wanted to practice reading uh, kind of subverting the, the syllabic rhythm
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so um, so that you couldn't, it'd be really hard to understand what I'm saying it'd be really hard to actually um, it was like, yeah, it was uh, subverting the yeah, the sylvic rhythm. So it's like, what word is that that I'm saying? Because I was, yeah, throwing it off a lot there. Um, and then, and that was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> and even now to this, I try to listen to it and I try to understand what I'm saying. It, it takes, it's taken a few listens to even be able to understand myself. And if I'm, but if I'm reading along with the, the, the words on the page, then it makes sense. Um, Anyways, and Broken Church, um, that was written, um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, okay. That's getting personal. That song's pretty personal. Um, obviously, um, uh, exploring a situation between myself and another human being, um, who is affecting my life very deeply. That. That point in time um so uh but connecting the two in terms of connecting them on in succession on the album um i'd liked i liked the the dissonance of that i liked um being really kind of anxiety inducing in its tone and rhythm and subject matter and then um and then switching it off to the just acoustic piano song. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, and, and Broken Church is definitely kind of, I, I think it ties the whole thing together, the whole album together, all the songs together. And then um, kind of ends it in a, a question, um, but also like a, a sort of conclusion. Yeah. Um, in terms of desire, like what, what, what it means and what, what do you want to do with it? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I got to say it took on a completely different, uh, sort of space in my brain after like, I listened to it probably two or three times all the way through. And then I went and I just started looking at the lyrics and I was like, Oh, that's, um, (laughs) that's not (laughs) what I was, what I was expecting.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. For, for, for all of them?
0: For all the tracks yeah like uh. I, I I guess it was one of those things where I sort of i like I was just listening to it, and I really like I guess more the feeling of it, and you know the harmonies and things like that, but it, enough that like I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics, and then once you start. Looking at the lyrics, I was like, holy smokes. Actually, that's when I was like, we need to get this person on the Stonehall Sessions. This is, uh, this is crazy. I'd love to just, yeah, anything more you can talk about your uh, songwriting process. It would be ooh, anything you can do to illuminate us. That would be great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Thank you. What I'm curious what surprised you so much about the lyrics. Like what you weren't expecting. What exactly? <laughs> what were you expecting?
0: I don't know. It seemed to be almost like, um, I guess, the lyrics, in a way, when you read them just off the page, you could see them being done in a very, like, industrial way or, like, a very, very, almost like death metal way. And that was, but there was a sense of intimacy on on your album that didn't suggest that, (laughs) Mm. um, Mm. I mean... a lot of these lyrics are intimate, but um, it was not in the same way. Like, it, 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 it it's, it's almost... It's, in some of these, there's almost... Uh, they're almost so dispassionate in a way. Um, hmm. And... Uh, or, like, sort of, like, looking at it from a distance. And, it, yeah, it just... It completely took on a, a different role in my mind afterwards. It was... Uh, hmm. And so, yeah, is there... <laughs>
1: No, that's interesting. Well, it just makes me think of, I think, the psychoanalytic nature of of the, the songs. And as meditations, um, I think, I mean, it, it was a period of psychoanalysis for me um, and as well as into the relationships that were in my life. And, and again, the nature of desire and everything. I was in a very psychoanalytical state of mind, but there was also the undercurrent of mysticism there or what have you, as well as a lot of like entheogenic, um, influence too. Cause I was doing a lot of psychedelics and still. Am. <laughs> well, I don't know if a lot is the right term, but, um, enough yeah. to, to augment the psychoanalytic process. Um, and, um, yeah, so that it makes sense to hear that there, there's a sense of distance or something in that it's, they're deeply personal, but they're also, I'm also kind of playing, playing the psychoanalyst to the psychoan- al- mm-hmm. psychoanalyst uh, in myself. Um, so I'm I'm observing directly as well, uh, sorry, subjectively as well as objectively um, my own experiences.
0: Which is not something you see in a lot of traditional pop, I would say.
1: I guess not. No, but-
0: I think <laughs> Katy Perry's of- fireworks, and then this album.
1: <laughs> right? Is Katy Perry traditional pop though? I don't know. I thought like Beatles <laughs> shit. Oh was yeah. Traditional pop, <laughs> but I guess yeah. I don't know. I want to hold your hand. Is that's a nice song? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much amazing music being made nowadays. It's it's very um, yeah, interest interesting in terms of the subject matter being explored in the lyrics. I think definitely not stuff that's being played on the radio but i i don't even know what's being played on the radio because i don't listen to it
0: (laughs) um what's it like adapting these songs for live performance like how do you choose which elements to accentuate or to bring down or is it do you play with other people like what's your what's your process there
1: Good question. Um, that's totally where I'm. I'm at right now is trying to organize all of the that. Um, so, trying to figure it out right now. Um, I do have a friend that is playing with me. But we're, we're rehearsing some of the songs and trying to yeah make make a live performance with the two of us. Um, and normally, or in the past, I've only done it by myself. But with this album, there there is a lot more going on um, that I feel would really benefit from having at least two people um, uh, working on it together. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, if I tried to do it all on my own, I just feel like it would kind of... Um, it just wouldn't really work. It it would work for some songs, but not for others. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's going well so far with, with my friend. Um, so, but we don't have a lot of time before the first show that we have to play is coming up, and then a few other shows. And um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not so much a performer. Um, I really it's the part of it that I am always on the fence about like do I really need to do that? Do I really want to um you know go on a tour, or try to make all that stuff happen. Yeah. I'm not so much into that end of things. Um but I'm I, I try <laughs> a little bit, but I really don't try that hard. <laughs> um so yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes this summer and how many shows I agree to play and <laughs> how well I can actually pull it off.
0: <laughs> um, you you said earlier that this was it started off as like a winter album. Do you think other seasons could stand up to such sort of the almost ruthless cycle uh, analytics? <laughs>
1: well they do in my life my friend <laughs> so I don't know about you but welcome to my world um yeah i I have no I, I can't speak for other listeners um if, if it'll hold up uh or will be tolerable in the the, <laughs> the bright sunshine of the summer oh I um, mean like uh, your
0: another <laughs> album about say the, the 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 spring season or something like that would right. you be that uh sort of raw with your with your lyrics or not raw uh, raw the wrong word
1: i, I don't know um <laughs> i mean I, I probably to a degree but i mean it's it's, it's okay i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about me um you know, it's just subject matter. It's just philosophy. I mean, it's like asking a philosophy student if they can handle studying what they're studying year round, and they do and they get a degree for it, right? I mean, what I'm doing is is really not that different. Um, Or say, if I actually was a licensed psychoanalyst, you know, I'd be, I'd have patients year round that would be divulging dark twisted shit (laughs) and it would be my job and it would be valid because I was getting paid for it and I was be considered a professional so being an artist I really don't think is far cry you know from those comparisons it's just the nature of who you are is you're a thinking inquisitive curious deep feeling creature and that process never really lets up, and that's why you have to create. That's why you have to express yourself. Is because your mind is always on the case, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a detective. <laughs> 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 so, yeah.
0: That's um, a, 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 a uh, how long? How uh, what's your um, what's your gear setup like? Like what's your, how, how do you record in and do these? Cause it's all, you, you produce it all. You, you do everything for it. What's your, uh, like do you use Ableton or Logic or what's your.
1: <laughs> the gear question. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I use Logic. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I use Logic and, uh, yeah, stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Audio interfaces.
0: Uh. Are you a? Are you more a uh, soft synth fan, or are you do you have to do everything hardware?
1: Mm, no, I see. Okay, this, I'm glad you asked this because this is something that just irritates me to know. And and the music scene or whatever is you know gear snobs and whatnot and all I have to say to them is well wouldn't it be nice to have the privilege to be a gear snob um it does come down to privilege I think in terms of what you can afford and um I mean I would love to have you know 10 racks with you know 10 different synths you know and uh, you know I'd love to have all these these this wonderful gear but I I'm fucking poor <laughs> i'm poor and um i just don't have the capital you know so i i make do with limitations and with within my limitations um yeah well i mean every, every every investment on the music end of things is a is a big investment like i just purchased a, a synth that was like that wasn't easy for me i mean like i was Probably I was very anxious for like two weeks leading up yeah. to the purchase. I was like, fuck, I don't have the money to throw away on this, but am I throwing it away? Or, you know, is music really important to me? Does it warrant me, you know, spending money I don't have on this instrument? And it's that's always the case. That's yeah. always the case. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I find people who like who who have the ability to spend like oh the, I just I got this new ten thousand dollar modular synth so I can sound like something that was happening in Detroit in nineteen eighty three and it's mm-hmm. like you realize they were only doing that because that was the absolute limitation of what they could do at the time. Now you could be doing exactly, anything, and you're just trying exactly. to sound like uh, it, it's it's a, it's a, it always vexes me people who are like a friend of mine just went out and bought like a, a four thousand dollar drum. Um uh, like analog drum synth or whatever. I was right. just like, really? And then he's like, Hey, can you master all my tracks for me? I was like, Uh, don't right. you have any money left over from that grant, you idiot? Um, oh God, I hope <laughs> this
1: person's not listening. They're not going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> no,
0: we're good friends. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it always vexes me. Um,
2: one. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I can understand being enamored by these objects i mean it makes sense i'm sure i would be too if i was in the same room as one of those old analog (laughs) synths or whatever um definitely but i mean yeah it's one that's one thing to to be able to appreciate and it's another to feel like it's necessary in order to fucking prove a point you know (laughs) prove how you know cool you are because you have this thing
0: (laughs) i can finally get that daft punk discovery sound
1: yeah right i mean you can do i mean it's ridiculous i mean to have to have all the options you have at your fingertips even just working through a soft synth, is it's ridiculous i mean how it's more than enough more than you can ask for so i think the real challenge is, for me anyway, again, I'm not speaking for anyone else here. I mean, everyone do what they want and what makes them happy. But for me, the, the real challenge is, like, just finding what's in there that I really like. It's There's so many choices. And then I usually, you know, I'll get attached to a particular, you know, plug-in, a particular... Um, sound right and then i'll explore that thoroughly i'll go to the depths with that one patch or whatever that's yeah i don't need i don't need anything more than
0: that yeah (laughs) it's it's crazy with like tweaking automation what you can do these days um Mm -hmm. you, you never really need to go outside the box anymore
1: totally yeah
0: one thing that we ask everybody who comes on here and you, you might be expecting it, but it's sort of our way of determining if someone is like a real artist or if someone's just sort of like a uh, a Johnny come lately, someone who's you know just doing art for fun and whatever uh this sounds terrible (laughs) i I try to build it up as much as possible in each episode because a lot of the guests don't know what's coming anyways the question is and it's usually much funnier uh with my polar opposite who's normally on the podcast as well um but the question is um who has influenced you more as an artist of these two genesis lead singers peter gabriel or phil collins
1: (laughs) phil fucking collins oh boy <laughs> what
2: you want i know
1: you wanted me to say peter gabriel that's very obvious but let me just tell you neither actually i'm not a genesis fan um you can go very, on
0: solo work or disney songs
1: yeah yeah um <laughs> phil Collins man that uh, what's that song <laughs> uh you know the one
0: idiots in the air tonight
1: in the air tonight there you go fucking classic fucking classic
0: yeah 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 i hear that way too often
1: yeah well (laughs) everyone's got their their judgments and their biases but if that's what you're determining what a real artist is based on it's pretty ridiculous
3: it's
0: it's just it's it's the easiest way to split the world into two by which genesis lead singer they like right. more.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, well, there you go. I mean, like I said, I I could take neither. I would take neither. I like Peter. I like that Peter Gabriel did some stuff with Kate Bush. I think that's cool. And I liked the uh, you know some of his music music videos when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad. My dad actually as a musician and he made me and my sister watch a bunch of Genesis shit, a bunch of Peter Gabriel shit, <laughs> as well as Phil Collins. And he, he was always going off, like, you know, Phil Collins, before he became a you know, pop singer, he was actually the drummer for, and he'd go off on these big fucking tangents and about, about Genesis and um, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. And I think um, that, burnt me out at a really young age on the whole my father (laughs) was the same
0: way but somehow you escaped you'll have to tell me about that some other time